This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Aloha, y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity and all trailblazers and the breaking of all things normal. Aloha, y'all. All right, checking in. A big day, big day. Uh, basically, it's bir- uh, Araya's, my dogs, my pit bulls, Litter's birthday slash death day. And this is such an appropriate aligned intro for the interview that's to come because it's with my good friend Jordan Bowditch, who is also a pit bull papa. And um, his dog and my dog have been friends for a really long time. Actually, Jordan was living next door to us with his pit bull the day Davina, my daughter, was born on April 7th. And guess what day Jordan's birthday is? April 7th. And the synchronicities just get crazier and crazier, but let's stick to what just happened. What just happened? Oriah, my pit bull, basically gave birth to five puppies overnight. She's actually in the care of my uh, like second cousins who do this professionally. And one's a vet tech and works like lives right down the road from a vet in the animal hospital. So they helped us out with this situation. And um, overnight, Araya gave birth to five thriving puppies. And then the stall happened. And uh, what happened there was that one of the puppies got stuck in the birth canal and died. And then... Um, there was another puppy stuck in the uterus that died, and there was still another puppy inside of Oriya that was removed uh, via C-section. That after about 20 minutes of resuscitation, um, it survived, and that is a sixth and surviving puppy. Um, the, my friend who owns Oriya's uh, husband. I don't know if that's the proper terminology. Araya's baby's daddy um, is going to get two puppies. I think one of my, if someone in my family, if it's me or another family member, will probably keep another puppy, which means that we may have three puppies to rehome. And I don't know where to begin or end in explaining the specialness of Araya and her partner, um, King. But let's just leave it at that. If you feel the call, if this is somehow an aligned day for you to start stewarding what I think would be one of the best bred pit bulls of all time, um, we I think we'll have three available for that rehoming situation um, in about six to eight weeks. And this is a crazy synchronicity, this whole thing. My parents have been uh, pet owners as long as I've been alive. As long as I have been alive, my parents have been pet owners. Their last animal, their last cat, Coco, which is one of the most beautiful animals, I, if I was going to be judgmental, one of the most beautiful animals I've ever been in the presence of, died. They found her dead. She was really old. Right where her old partner used to hang out, Sammy. And... Later that day, Araya gave birth. So I'm thinking one of those puppies might be for my parents. Because uh, the, the day that the puppies are going to be ready to start their own life with or without Araya is 
right around the date that my, my sister, the youngest kid, the youngest kid of my parents' kids is getting married and leaving home. I mean, the timing of this stuff. How, I, wow. And on that note, just to make it a little even wilder, a little more breaking normal, my sister's birthday is October 3rd. That is, if I'm not mistaken, that is the opening day. It's either the day before or the day after or that day. The opening day of pronghorn hunting season, also known as the American antelope, also known as the fastest animal on these lands. Just like the bison is the biggest animal of these lands, the pronghorn is the fastest. And just as the bison is shrouded with all these misnaming from European perspectives compared to how the indigenous viewed them, very similar to the pronghorn. People call it an antelope. It's not an antelope. It's its own species. People call the bison a buffalo. It's not a buffalo. The buffalo is actually more closely related to an antelope. But the bison is not a buffalo, and the pronghorn is not an antelope. So if you're feeling called, uh, if, you, if you've listened to the podcast, The Heart of the Hunter and the Huntress, I am basically seeing, if I can figure it out, with Wes Atkinson about our hunt that was scheduled for Austin, Texas in the spring of 2019 that got canceled due to the cultural C word and beyond to reschedule it for a pronghorn hunt in the Colorado-Wyoming border October 3rd. And it seems like Jordan <laughs> might be one of the first people that wants to sign up. He's been doing this with another previous podcast guest, Monsel Denton. So if you want to open your mind and heart to the world and the power and the potency and the transcendent um, act of hunting, check into the podcast, The Heart of the Hunter and the Huntress with Wes Atkinson and also my podcast with Monsel Denton. And definitely just listen to what uh, Jordan has to say because Jordan just got done with what they call a, a more closely, an actual antelope, uh, the Blue Bull Neil guy, South Texas antelope. He went hunting and this is part of the interview that we uh, share, part of the story of this interview. So uh, so thankful for all y'all breaking normal. Not sure if you listened to the two previous podcast guests. You'll hear me and Jordan talking about Trevor Hall and Drew from Satsong. Those episodes have already been released. Those are the previous two episodes. And we got plenty of other extra special guests on the radar, including Stephen Kotler, who just wrote the book, The Art of Impossible, and just read, finished that one up. Awesome book. I'm excited to have Stephen on the show. And um, a fellow named Sir Ronald Cohen, who is known as the father of venture capital. They're both back-to-back -back shows scheduled in early March. But if you have other suggestions or if you want to be on the show or if you know someone that would be a great guest that's breaking normal in their own way, hey, send me a line. I'm usually quite um, responsive via Instagram messages and or um, email daniel at breakingnormal.com. Um, and yeah, beyond between the Tribe Vitamins Project and the testimonies they're pouring in from the original multivitamin vitamin from nature's most potent multivitamin, the indigenous biggest animals of this land, organ meats, their liver specifically that is loaded with a variety of nutrients. Check out the website, tribevitamins.com. Between that and my pregnant pit bull and this hunt coming up and a few other very personal things going on, I've got a lot going on and we're definitely breaking normal. And I totally appreciate all of y'all that are willing to tune into that frequency of heart sync over group think with me and, uh, come at these conversations with a open heart and flexible mind so that we can uh, learn how to team up even beyond agreement. So thanks for disagreeing. Thanks for agreeing. I would love for you to agree to leave a review on this podcast on the iTunes section. And I'll look forward to maybe seeing you in uh, Colorado in early October. 
And who knows, if you feel the call to steward one of the most powerful animals in the world and become an owner, um, a responsible pit bull owner, let me know. That is, I, I, I only, please, sincere inquiries only. <laughs> but I do get to have that responsibility as well to figure out where um, Araya's puppies are going to thrive long term. All right, y'all. Much love. What a day. Okay, here we go. Second ever intentional breaking and roll podcast done virtually, but we're aiming to keep our audio extra crisp and clear for you. And I know the guy that I'm with, it's not his first rodeo. This is actually his third time on the breaking normal podcast. So he's breaking records. I actually think this might be episode number 111. I mean, <laughs> to, naturally. Yeah. Potentially. I think Trevor Hall's coming Monday. So I'm like thinking about tweaking it. So he is, but that's I, fair. I, I can give that up to him. To <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I think way. I have the record though, right? Am I number, th- has anybody done more than you, three? I think you are the record breaker of breaking Come normal. On. Jordan yeah. Babich is here yeah. again, fresh off a Neil Guy Hunt, as I understand yes, it, mm-hmm. and several other things. What else are you fresh off of right now that you want to make sure that we include in this podcast before we get to the weather? Yeah, <laughs> very important that we get to the weather. Um, man, I'll just quickly share that the last couple months have been a doozy. Um, yeah, had some pretty uh, notable initiation experiences from the universe and as I think you can maybe attest to, there's the ones that we choose that we consciously go into those rites of passage, which are a little bit more, while they're often difficult, you know, depending on who you are and what it is, they're a little easier in the sense like I consciously chose, but the ones that the universe throws at me unexpectedly, those are another deal altogether. And just quick um, highlights of that, uh, I experienced firsthand the wrath of online cancel culture I totaled my brand new car. My fiance and I got COVID and had to forego all of our holiday travel plans, but we found ourselves stranded, so to speak, in Ohio. So we had to drive 20 plus hours in a tiny rental car with our two dogs, Pitbull and Frenchie, Biggie and Little, um, across country to quarantine uh, up until New Year's. So those are just a few of the things, but yeah, it's been um, challenging and also incredibly rewarding. Like I'm always looking at the silver linings and everything and finding the meaning in life. And I found a lot of, um, righteous meaning. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, all right. <laughs> oh, and Can a Neil guy little... hunt was in the middle of that too. Oh Hunting. yeah. Let's get a little <laughs> chronological, uh, yeah. arrows of yep. what we're going to be aiming at coming up here. Mm-hmm. Can you give me the timeline of these happenings? Yeah. So COVID right before Christmas, um, talked about that experience online. And that's where the online cancel culture comes into play. Um, hunting about a week after that. Um, about a week after that, totaled the car. And then a week after that, I did a, a pretty intense backpacking trip in West Texas, the Guadalupe Mountains National Park um, for like seven days, which that was incredible. And so that was, got back from that maybe like two weeks ago. So that's been like, that's basically the last two months, some of the biggest things that have happened in my world. Where'd the car totaling happen? Uh, right in front of my house, basically. Like the wind. A couple blocks this... away. Oh, so that was about a week after the hunt. This was about a month ago, not quite a month ago. 
Well, I've heard this idea that, you know, a vast majority of accidents happen within like a short radius of someone's home. It makes total and sense. It does make total sense. Firstly, because you're an example in a way, but secondly, that's the part where you drive the most. Oh, hundred percent. Like, and that's, you know, it's sort of somewhat mindless and habitual. And like, that's how the story goes. I was just going through the unconscious patterning of driving home, same route I do almost every day, oftentimes multiple times a day, and just not being acutely aware of my surroundings, you know, the infinite peripheral cues that are influencing the decisions you make when you drive. Um, I was not being as mindful as I could have been and paid the price. I mean, I'm fine physically, thank God, like very grateful for that. But the, the brand new car, that Jeep that you and I have talked about before that I manifested, I don't know if you recall that, but we've had a few conversations and various circles and stuff that we were facilitating where I talked about wanting to get this brand new Jeep. That meant a lot to me for a lot of different reasons. And I got a firsthand lesson in the practice of non-attachment. <laughs> All right. So I was going to think we were going to look in chronological order, but now you've got me too, too hooked yeah. on this. Um, you got this Jeep. What Jeep? Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me the year, make, model. Tell me about this real yep. quick. So I got this back in October, um, a 2020 Jeep Grand Cherokee, like a, a pretty badass one. You know, nice rims, nice sound system, black leather interior, um, white outside, and you know, just the way I got it. I was very proud of it. Um, and I'll quickly share like the meaning is, is particularly deep for me because growing up, um, my mom always had like shitty hand-me-down cars, you know, that we're just like always breaking down and we're loud. And I remember like very vividly being quite embarrassed, getting dropped off at school, at friends' houses. And my mom smoked in the car. So like smelled like stale cigarettes. I smelled like cigarettes. And it was just like a, one of those things I remember really well from childhood. I remember thinking to myself, man, I cannot wait till I'm a big boy, till I'm an adult, have my license and I can get a nice new car. <clears throat> and when I was 16, I had my eyes set on a white Jeep with black leather interior. I like remember on Auto Trader the actual listing. It was a Jeep Wrangler, so different Jeep, but a Jeep nonetheless, white, black leather interior, and a nice sound system and like nice rims. And unfortunately, I was not... <clears throat> able to procure that. It was just a little out of my price range. And so I was like, finally, I get this vehicle and I have it no more than three months and I fucking total it. And it, you know, my fault. So that was, and this was, I felt like I was on the other side of a lot of like kind of the intense initiation that the universe was throwing at me when that happened. So it was just like this shitty cherry on top. (laughs) But I will say one quick thing I will say is that I ended up getting another uh, brand new Jeep, a year newer, 2021, and many upgrades cooler and actually has more of the things I originally wanted, but they didn't have when I went to get it. And so I got that like less than a few days later, which was special in and of itself because I had this, as it happened, I had a story that like, I don't deserve to get another car. Like I ruined my chance. I, I fucked it up. I blew it. Um, and as I just kind of sat with that and then I was like, no, like that's, that's not the life I choose to live. That's not empowering. I'm not a victim. Yeah. This is unfortunate. And I'm like learning all the things that want to come through as a result of it. And I can still have a nice new car and I got one and that feels good. And how many days after the accident until you 
procured <laughs> procured closer to your dream car. Yeah. Uh -huh, yep. So it was a Monday that it happened, and then I got the new car on Friday. Wow. What a, mm -hmm. what a work week. <laughs> work week indeed. Yeah. Um. Wow. That story. That is something crazy. Now, um, if I if you don't mind me playing detective mode for a second, can Please. you? break down the accident if i was the police that showed up on uh -huh. the, the scene yeah so it was about 8 15 in the morning something like that was driving home from basketball and that's why every monday wednesday friday morning i go play at the ymca um from like 6 to 8 a.m and yeah i'm just going through that again sort of unconscious route home and i'm bumping a new song i just found uh, it which was particularly special because it's the song that Alex and I, my fiance identified as our first dance at our wedding coming up later this year. And that came through a few weeks earlier when we were having a really intense, difficult, um, patch in our relationship that was very much influenced by a lot of the intense energy in my world that she was like, you know, subjected to. And so this song, uh, just had like a deeper, meaning and i'm like belting it i'm blasting it i'm like in just this vortex of sorts the what's song, that song or did yeah you so it it's called um grows old by third story i think that's the name of the group dude you got to check them out they're like very soulful very like kind of harmonizing type of vibe just beautiful singing and just really beautiful music grows um, old yeah grows old by third story i believe Interesting. Yeah, it's good go stuff. Ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um, so that ends. I'm now on Seventh Avenue, which you know, you know this area decently, <clears throat> pretty close to where I used to live because I live just a few blocks from where I used to live when you were here. And I'm going to take a left, and I get T-boned from the perpendicular streets. And both airbags go off. It hit the driver's side, so my side. And fortunately, you know the street he was coming down was like a slowish street, you know, it wasn't a crazy major street. So he's probably going somewhere in the thirties and he was able to stop a little bit before getting me. Um, and it hit kind of the front part of the driver's part of the driver's seat or driver's door. So it like the impact was mostly kind of like my legs got a good amount of it, but it was only bruising and a couple cuts, um, a little bit of soreness on my left side, but like no broken things, no, you know, crazy whiplash that came on a few days later. Like I hear is fairly common, just a little bit of soreness, but within a week, like nothing, um, doing a little rewind Quentin Tarantino, um, you know, in hindsight, imagine like where my mind was at this street is it's at least a light to moderate or even more kind of traffic, um, scenario. And so this particular time of day or this, <laughs> this experience, there was no traffic, which is very uncommon at this part. And it's on Chicone. So the intersection, I think, you know, Chicone and, um, that light, because it's a, ma a somewhat major street, seventh Avenue goes through downtown and everything. Um, the light is usually green. So probably 80% of the time that I go through that light, at least it's green. So that's sort of my unconscious patterning is that I usually just go right through that light. And so that's sort of strike one, I guess you could say. And strike two is there's no cars around to, so if there were cars stopped at the light, that would have like signaled me to stop at the light, no cars. Or if there were cars, cars driving, it would have like signaled me to 
continue to drive. But since there was none of that, my pattern just came into play and I ran the red light, which was just totally, again, unconscious. Like it was a total accident. Like I wasn't trying to catch a light or anything. I wasn't even, you know, looking out on my phone or any of those kind of things. It was just like, yeah, just was not paying attention. It, it, well, I was unconsciously to some things, but not to like the thing. And then went through and homeboy got me and you know, both airbags went off. And at first he, uh, for at least the first 15 to 30 seconds, he was like yelling at me <laughs> as, as I guess, you know, is to be expected maybe on some level. Um, he's like, what the fuck, bro? You ran a red light. Like, you know, and I'm just not you know, like buying into any of it or not like feeding into any of it. I'm just in my own kind of <laughs> post wreck shock feeling this and like wondering, shit, I think I feel okay, but am I okay? And I can't even get out of the door because it's like kind of sealed shut. And after about, you know, 15, 20 or so seconds of him kind of venting at me, I think he, he basically was like, oh shit, like, I hope this guy's all right. And then he got out and was like, Do, like, are you okay? Can I help you out? And it turned into more of the compassion because he was fine. Um, his car, I don't think it ended up being totaled. It was definitely nice and banged up as well. Uh, but I definitely got the brunt of that scenario. What kind of car was that that he was driving? He had like a, a truck, silver Ford F-150, like kind of a pickup truck. Mm. Um, I think he was some sort of like a maintenance worker. Um, mm. Handyman was like my guess based on tools he had in the trunk and stuff. And yeah, that's the not so long story short. And then you know, pickup or the, uh, the tow driver took me home as he towed away my brand new car uh, to be done whatever was done with it. Wow. So that you yeah. could get the car uh, closer to the car of your yep. dreams. Now you're talking. Yes. <laughs> now, have you explored any inner reflections around the myth of that? Yeah. What so, do you have to say about it before I ask any leading questions? Sure. Uh, the biggest learning for me that isn't maybe not the mo most obvious, like, and obviously be just <laughs> pay better attention, bro. Okay. Fair enough. And like, I'm not, I think to myself, a pretty conscious, aware, mindful being. So it's like, there's only so much I can do with that lesson other than just be like, okay, cool. <laughs> I've gone my whole life without totaling a car in 33 years. So like, great. But the, the more sort of esoteric, if you will, one is the non-attachment that I referenced earlier is like, you know, all this childhood history and this desire and this specific car. And it's like, I finally got it and I made it, so to speak but I only got a taste of it. Literally, like I said, about three months before it was taken from me. And sort of attached to that is like, my value, my worth is not, is not based on like physical material possessions or outward things. It's, it's intrinsic. Um, that's really the, the less, the biggest one for me in this. And there's more, but that's the big Yeah, one. you know what it reminded me of too? It was really fascinating. Be, um, it somehow reminded me of the idea, the metaphor archetype of a bridezilla. <laughs> okay. Do you, uh -huh. uh, and because I say this because I have experienced this once firsthand with one of my friends, um, one of my old college roommates. He got married, but on the wedding day, man, this girl got crazy. That's a thing I've heard. And it became apparent that uh, she may have had a um, image or an idea of exactly what this day would have looked like. Uh -huh. <laughs> like 
10 to 20 plus years. <laughs> and it was definitely a really probably hard to match exactly and probably something better if allowed. Yeah. Um, she didn't allow it. They actually got like divorced like two weeks later or something. No something crazy way. Happened. Crazy. Um, but that was a crazy experience. And it kind of, for some reason, it reminded me of that story. White car? Like, white wedding like, dress or what? Like, you know, like you looking forward to like this dream of this Jeep and mm. then you got it and then you like literally wrecked it. Yeah. Um, and then what that allowed for was something even more aligned. Mm. To come. There's just mm-hmm. something wild about that story. Wild indeed. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm, I say that like blissfully and gleefully because everyone's okay. And it sounds like totally. everything worked out. I mean, like, man, I was definitely, part of me was like scared to ask about like the other driver and all that, but it's good to know he came out screaming at you. Red light. Yep. And what song was playing then? And that Because you said you were playing that growing old yeah. like, third story. Yeah. Before. So it, I don't even remember, like maybe the next one of the next songs in the album, or maybe a, you know one of my liked favorite songs on the Spotify. I'm just list. thinking about it as like the dream of life. Like, what did the symbols mean? I know, and you love that shit, a, and I love that about a, you. Such <laughs> like an impactful experience. It's like there must be something big here. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I'm happy it's okay. Yes, me too. I'm so All grateful right. that like, yeah, Lex wasn't in the car or anything. I just, oh, could have been yeah, worse. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look for something to put the headset on, like a, mm-hmm. um, like a pretend head. So I had more of a setup like you uh-huh. rather than these double earphones plug, like jamming the other earphones. Oh, I know. Yes. Which, you know what that, that doesn't reminds feel good. me of? That reminds me of this. I haven't even, I, I haven't even seen it publicly declared necessarily but i'm hearing i'm hearing things seeing things from my friends on social media about two mask people double masking <laughs> yeah yeah the double masking so i'm gonna plant that seed while i find something else so i'm yeah. not double double ear budding. well i'll keep what, talking <laughs> maybe i'll say uh, a few things yeah all right all right let me see i might be able to keep these on while I okay do that, so. so the double mask is an interesting one i i heard a joke slash maybe I co-created a joke where it's like, you know, in, in 2021 or 2020 and beyond, it's like, fuck condoms. We're, we're, we're okay on those, but double masks, like one's not enough. Well, it's definitely wear two. And it's just, it is quite interesting to like see people that have double of those on, like even one at times, depending on what kind and the scenario can be quite, um, uncomfortable and I'll even dare say a little suffocating. Um, we have to, <laughs> when I play basketball, the, one of the ways that they allowed us to go back into this gym is we have to wear masks when we play. So <laughs> I will say we, we've gotten creative with getting around that. So we have two courts going at once that are separated by like a curtain divider <laughs> in the back one. The back one is the winner's court. So if you're a winner, the, the cameras can't see that backcourt with the curtain up. So if you're a winner, the prize is you don't have to wear a mask because none of them, we don't wear them back there. But if you're a loser and you're on the loser's court, which is in the eyesight of the camera, you have to wear a mask. So it's like the greatest incentive to not lose because <laughs> it is, oh, I mean, 
imagine you playing basketball and you're like breathing super hard and you are like recycling that hot air breath when you're just like sweating. It's, it is no fun. I mean, it, to me, I'm just, to be like really frank, it seems like a big, big ass joke on humanity. Like these face diapers. I've heard some people say like yes. face diapers. I'm like, that's a great uh, description. Actually. <laughs> I, like I understand wearing a mask in a crowded grocery store, like an elderly person feeling the concern to wear a mask in a crowded mm-hmm. grocery store. I under, I guess I, I can see that based on yeah. everything that has been projected upon culture currently. Same. Um, but yeah, to have a bunch of athletic young men playing basketball outside or inside or like all these athletic events where people are having these diapers on there. I'm just going to, yeah, like diapers on their faces. is It's <laughs> like... <laughs> Who's making this joke? And like, <laughs> is everybody laughing or not? <laughs> or just us? <laughs> because I know that like they, they've tied so many sincere memes to it. Like, oh, well, if you, you could be, it's like it's become an ethical issue in oh, a yeah. sense. Yeah. But like this could have been raised at any time for any um, flu. Sickness, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any sickness. I mean, it's just so tied to politics. And it's getting, it's getting very slippery and like, uh, like is the, is our, as our culture on acid right now? Like I'm a little tripped <laughs> out. A of a trip. Ex- yep. Especially with all the, yeah, the diaper wearing during basketball <laughs> games and such. Yeah. I think like you said, there's certain scenarios where I can understand it like a little more logically and like empathetically, compassionately. Um, but there's certain ones, and I would say they're they're more of the rule than the exception. Is like I'm like, what is happening here? What is this arbitrary like rule that we're making in these random scenarios? <laughs> like, if we're playing basketball and somebody has COVID, like my thought, my belief is that like you, you like if you're gonna get it, you're gonna get it. You know, we're like touching each other like all over the place, breathing hard, sweating on one another. Like I don't think the face diaper. Th- thing unless we're like an asthmat like full covering is that what they're called whatever they're called um then yeah i don't i don't see it being maybe at best like marginally effective um, but it definitely feels like yeah the, the political piece and so much so many other energies are wrapped around it and i mean i would say if we want to segue potentially into my my on my firsthand online <laughs> Cancel that's exactly experience. what i'm yeah that's exactly what i'm diving into like I've, yeah that's where we're at yeah. And like, I want to say, now I'm thinking about, because Davina's getting swim lessons, which are awesome. I love mm-hmm. these swim lessons that she's getting, but these teachers are wearing these masks <laughs> in the water. And I'm like, man, if I was teaching a three, I'm like getting a little angry about this. Cause if I was uh-huh. teaching a three-year-old or two, three-year-olds how to swim, yeah, probably the most important thing I can teach them is through my facial expressions, particularly from my eyes down, I think. Yeah. And I'm starting to think like, I'm getting ripped off on these swim lessons. This is is ridiculous. Yeah. In that scenario. So if you want to talk about any more ridiculousness that got you canceled, maybe the opposite will happen here on the Breaking and Roll podcast. We welcome welcome the canceled. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's funny because like, you're not the first person to use that sort of, language around getting like you got canceled or you're canceled and, and i'm like ah, well, i reject that <laughs> oh, i was just repeating what you said and i know said. Yeah, I was well like, I, I said what, what i said is i i firsthand experienced cancel culture 
I have not said I got canceled. Thank you for the clarification because I don't even know literally what that means. Yeah. But I think I have a rough idea and I, I, and I can't even believe it's a real thing. Yeah. So I don't think I've paid enough homage just to understand mm-hmm. what people that may have been canceled are experiencing. I did see like one of the Kennedys got censored from Instagram. I mean, Donald Trump oh, got yeah. censored from Twitter, right? I mean, that's kind mm-hmm. of, that's kind of obvious. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah, the Kennedy guy. He's, uh, I think, Robert, whatever Kennedy oh, Jr. Yeah, his. I loved a lot of his con, his content. Like it, it was good stuff, and also pretty radical and a little out there at times. But in any case, yeah, the my experience was so. Like I said, got COVID over the holidays, and um, it's funny. I wouldn't have even known that I had. If it, you know, pre-COVID era, it would have been a mild cold that I get once, maybe twice a year. That was like my experience. I was kind of like the car wreck, like all is well that ends well in a sense. Like I'm very grateful that my COVID experience was very mild. It was all of about three, maybe four days in total of symptoms. And the symptoms were stuffy nose. Um, and that was really it. Like stuffy. Stuffy, stuffy, yeah, it, like it was, stuffy it was slash runny. runny. No, it was okay. like the both, the weirdness okay. you know, that comes with the cold. The kind no of like, sore throat or feverish or any nope. kind of lung issues at all? Nope. Taste and um, smell. That was the only other funky one. So that one was part of that three to four day period was um, losing. There was about a day in there where I had essentially full loss of taste and smell, maybe like a day and a half. And then as it came up and came back, it was like a, like a percentage was gone. But again, all in all, three to four days. This is like the next thing people are, I don't know if they, I don't know if they know it slash we know it, but I imagine this is like a new judgment it's like how did you experience covid yeah it's like oh you just you you got a you got a cough i didn't even all i had was a runny nose yeah and so i'm not yeah. saying that's the case for me because i think my guess based on everything i know i think i've been um i think it's been through like my body has alchemized whatever the c word is and uh-huh. vi- viral form uh-huh. twice twice. Mm. And the first time was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Big deal. Big deal. The second time I um, lost my taste and smell for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, and the other, everything else was kind of guessing. It's like, do I feel am I, same? There's am a lot I, of mind stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Like, do I feel I mean, a little tickle my throat? I don't think so, but maybe I do. <laughs> that is, that's the craziest part. How many people are scared of so many more new things yeah. since the C word has become such a meme. Yeah. This is wild. Mm-hmm. We were, I'll just quickly say one little thing about that is, so this backpacking trip that I was on here a couple of weeks ago, um, 11 of us guys, it was just amazing, very difficult and incredibly like rewarding. We were at the end of it. Um, like kind of home stretch um, of, and last day was one of the more difficult days. And we passed by some people that are sitting at like a trailhead having lunch. And as we pass by, they put their masks on. <laughs> and I was just, and like, I was so out of that mindset and like sort of the, the that world um, being out in like the real world, you know, and then like nature. And I was just so, and even in my, quote, normal world here in Austin, like that is not something that I see or experience very often. So it's just sort of like a, yeah, a funny, I'll, I'll just say it like it was funny. It was amusing to me. Um, reintroduction. 
Well, it's, I can see how that could be such a, like a radical contrast, but mm-hmm. are you saying in Austin? Because I do think this thing, this thing has taken on so many different mm-hmm. shapes and colors and variations. And are you saying that in Austin it's not normal for people to mask up when they walk by each other? I don't necessarily want to speak on behalf of the city of Austin. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But like, I will, I will say that like sort of my nuclear community and I, I use the whole Dunbar's number thing. I think that's like a, that's kind of like how I like to experience life and, and talk about my community, which Dunbar's number quick for maybe somebody who doesn't know. I'm sure, you know, but 150 people is like the sort of upper limit of what, a person can be a part of and what like a community can effectively manage and still maintain like somewhat significant relationships, look out for one another and have like a cohesive um, community. And so that's like, when I talk about these things, like when I say here in Austin, my community, I'm kind of that 150 about people is what represents that. And so for my community, like that, there's, um, that is not a thing. Now, I think, and again, I don't know, and <laughs> I would say more so now than ever, like it's hard for me to take anything as truth that I don't see, feel, experience firsthand, that I can't taste, touch, smell. There's just so much like paradoxical things that seemingly can't be simultaneously true, like are, or at least claim to be. And so I'm just very curious and I'll say skeptical about things. That being said, I my judgment, my imagination is that Austin is much more, or I said maybe much less cautious and is a little less mesmerized and under the spell of, of a lot of the fear around the old C word. Um, and, and as I am outside of my little Dunbar's number community, I'm just like out in the community running errands, doing whatever. Um, I, I think it's different slash less than like other major cities. Again, maybe I'm off on that, but I feel confident saying that. Well, this could be like a new map, like a new geographical, like interactive map that changes like the weather does of people's tolerance or people's hypnosis around <laughs> current cultural memes slash viruses. And uh, what I'll say about that is, um, <clears throat> first of all, Dunbar's number, yes, I'm very familiar with it because it is... Um, one of the theories that the ethos of tribe design, yeah. international tribe design, mm-hmm. it was uh, founded upon. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of requests about an event. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the itch just to plant uh-huh. that seed here. Come on. Um, Brad Mew a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what I will say, at the same time, uh, for different, like Boulder and Austin and Encinitas, I think like they're all like, they're connected in some sort of... Uh, yeah. Um, light rail <laughs> and uh boulder is is surprised like, i would say i am surprised by taking hikes in boulder county mm-hmm. when people how many people have been offended by me not wearing a mask outside yeah wow hiking. And or the definitely mask, like mask no i mean there's so many like so much stink eye and i'm just like <laughs> Whoa, whoa. Yeah, stink eye. And then in uh, Athens, Georgia, which is also like Boulder and Athens are very similar in the sense they're like kind of these bubbly college towns that have a really cool culture to them. Mm-hmm. They probably like to really indulge themselves in social inebriation and other activities. 
they're kind of like iconic for that. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you want to go have a weird time, go to Athens, Georgia or Boulder, Colorado. Mm-hmm. I, I can't recommend that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, like I used to. I definitely yeah. cannot <laughs> recommend that the same way. I don't even know if I'm like, I'm just like, where, what happened here? I mean, it, it is like, a, it is a Armageddon of culture, Yo, of certain well cultural said. aspects. Mm-hmm. I can, I feel that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I got to interview Drew from Satsang two days mm-hmm. ago, and I get to interview Trevor Hall on Monday. And it's like, these musicians, I, I feel like in a way, this is going to be a year of podcasting for musicians because music is a major part of culture, man. It's like, yeah. what the freak is going yeah. on? Like, you can't just take that away from culture. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's one thing to listen to music that's beautiful, incredible, on demand. Yeah. But the experience of being at a show, there's, there's, <laughs> few things that compare that's unlike anything in a lot of ways. And, and I've seen that Red Rocks in Colorado is open back up. They're having a bunch of shows this year. Did not know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's going to be like a tease or if it's real. You mean they have like scheduled shows on the they board? Have scheduled shows. Is um, it like masks and spaced or something? I don't know. Now I okay. will say to that point though, Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle did a comedy tour. I don't know if they did other cities or if it was just Austin, but they did over the course of like, I don't know, maybe four or five, six days. This was yeah a couple months ago. Um, shows here in Austin. And it was a big deal because there hadn't been any like promoted live in-person events like that yet. Even though this, I think relatively speaking, Austin is like the lockdown and the regulations are, are much milder here than a lot of other places. But even still, this was like a big deal in this era. And so we went um, with some friends and it was awesome because two of my more like favorite comedians and just people that I appreciate on a lot of levels, but it was weird. <clears throat> they liked the way the process of getting in there. We had like a group and we had to go in little pens with, I felt like cattle. They put us in little pens and we had to fill out some paperwork and they gave us, you know, the nose swab test. And I'm not talking like just the little, ah, a little bit of no, no, like tickling your brain kind of shit. And I've heard some some wild stuff around what might be happening there. Um, I'm just going to say that I don't believe that, but I also don't not believe it. In any case, it did not feel good. And I told Lex, like when we were going, I was a little apprehensive. <laughs> I was a lot apprehensive. And I told her, I was like, you know, well, I'll go because you really want to go. And like, I'm also excited to go, but I reserve the right in any moment if I don't feel good about it to bow out. <clears throat> and like, I just want you to know that's a possibility. I don't want you to feel embarrassed or like, be upset about that. And she's like, okay, cool. Like, that's fair. And it was like up to that point where I was like, things were a little funky, but I was like, feel, I was like writing fake information on the cards and stuff. I was like, I'm not going to be tracked, you know, with this kind of stuff. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. I've done that kind of stuff before. I'm okay with that. Like some people feel really weird about that. I don't feel all that. You weird mean like filling that. out your information on some sort of questionnaire, like exactly. medical questionnaire? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So just putting like fake name and address. Someone and- told me recently that Venmo sells your information. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I'm yeah. not asking. I'm asking. But please Who go the ahead. fudge doesn't sell <laughs> yeah. information nowadays? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, I'm trying to pay people money. And they're like, well, they sell my, they'll sell our information. And I'm like, shit. Yeah. I, yep. <laughs> So <laughs> they give everybody a COVID, t- a rapid COVID test there. And they had our little group and they did the nose thing. And as soon as they did the nose thing, I just felt instantly rageful. And I don't 
I very rarely mm, feel like mm. uh, acutely, mm. um, like aggressively angry. <laughs> you know me, bro. Like I'm, I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky, like kind, cool, calm, collected, expressive dude. But like anger and rage is not something that comes supernaturally to me. But it came supernaturally in this moment, <laughs> and. I mean, for at least five to 10 minutes, I just had to like be by myself and like did some like kind of low key bioenergetics to move some of that energy of just like breathing and kind of like flexing my, my face and my, mm. my hands and mm. arms and feet and stuff. Cause mm. I was just rageful and results came back and we were all negative and we went in and I just like let the laughter and the experience outside of that really, um, be the predominant energy of that experience but nonetheless man that was that did not feel good on a lot of levels what an experience and i can so i can so empathize um because before a prior opportunity came into my life where i was being uh leveraged slash forced to take a COVID test, to do something, that I, to have an experience that I really wanted to have, and I'll leave it at that yep. for now. <laughs> I was very hesitant about the, uh, I walked in there, I even asked them, like, how far do you stick that thing up there? Like, I was very <laughs> asking a lot of questions, like, I'm, I'm just doing this because I needed this. I need to see a negative result. Um, and they're like, no, 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 this is the, not the, this is not the PCR or... Yes. But you must have been doing a rapid testing. I, there's like four or five, I think, different tests. Okay. And I like, don't right. get them all. I forget what's what. Oh, yeah. There are a lot. And if you look into all of them, to me, it gets really sketchy. It, has, it becomes a sketchy situation. So anyways, yeah. um, I was clear. They, they even told me, I, I asked, I found out they, they could do a saliva test. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. But they're like, oh, they would take this long for the results. I'm like, yeah, ooh, that's a I, I'm actually looking for those results right now. Yeah. Um, and I tried to really tell her, like, I don't need stuff. You could do it, like, not too much of my nose. <laughs> <laughs> and she still did it. And it still was like, I do, I, I, she asked me, am I, she started getting scared. If I, am I okay? She started asking me, am I okay? Or do I need to stop? And mm. do you need to have support or something? And I'm like, no, I just have like a very sensitive note. Like I'm just, I'm just trying yeah. to breathe through it. Mm-hmm. But yes, it, extremely violating. Yeah. In my opinion. Violating is a very appropriate word. Like I felt <clears throat> at the risk of sounding extreme and a bit dramatic um, by, yeah, like assaulted. Like that was I mean, like the energy I felt. I sticking something in the nose. Like there's a reason cocaine is such a huge situation. <laughs> like the nose to very to absorbent intentionally, to mm-hmm. intentionally stick something in my nose or my ears. Mm-hmm. And now I've, is this true? Is it, are these memes true that they're doing anal testing or no? Is that a joke? Is <laughs> I that, haven't heard is that, that yet. A joke? That I've sounds like a funny this, joke. That's probably true. <laughs> I've seen this thing that in like China. That's like, they're getting more accurate results from anal swabbing. Wow. I, I trust it's a joke. I trust it's a joke. It feels like a joke, but again, I don't know, man. The truth is stranger than fiction nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And just, I just want to make sure to capture this, um, chapter of mm. the chronological order of yep. your initiations uh-huh. 
how did we did we captivate i, I want to maybe be clear on the canceled oh like, yeah no, potential, so we like went on a tangent here let's, all right, let's all right. so that. now circle back to this yep. thing this canceling idea whatever mm-hmm. that means so this comedy show was in early december and my, my cancel culture experience was uh new year's so after covid um did the quarantine i i well let me rewind so I guess it was the week of like December 20th. It was, I'll say a, a bit more of a connected week than I've typically have in the COVID era. Pre-COVID, this is pretty normal. And it's not even very abnormal in my, my world nowadays, but um, I was a part of several different gatherings. Um, one was like a couple men's groups um, where we were doing some classic initiation type of experiences, breath work, sauna, polar plunging, um, and those had anywhere just from breathing your evil germs all over, all over each other. I know, exactly, exactly. You, um, you, so, yeah. I know that's like how people think. Ah, anyways, go ahead, go ahead. You're tapping into the cancel culture energy. We'll get yeah. There. Um, and I also hosted a gathering, like a Christmas gathering, at my place. It was outside, um, and there was probably at the peak of it, maybe as much as forty people. And it was like a, a little comedy experience where we like showed some videos. We did like a little live performance and it was awesome. It was so So y'all, fun y'all so were like connected. all laughing with each other with oh, yeah. a mask on? Oh, yeah. No one oh, was wearing a mask. shit. Oh. Daring, edgy, no, <laughs> risky. Um, and so, and then there, I think there was maybe one other thing, but like that was like over the course of several days leading up to like the holidays or like toward Christmas. And so Lex and I then flew to Ohio to see my family. And we we're going to fly a few days later to see Alexa's family in New Orleans. We had both the dogs with us. And the day after I got to Ohio, so we stayed in a hotel that night. And the next day, I started feeling a little bit of cold symptoms. And again, pre-COVID era, it's like, yeah, like I said, I get a cold once or twice a year. It lasts all of a couple of days. Not a big deal. But obviously in, in the COVID era, it's like, a, I better go get tested instantly. And I felt the, the tension of, of that because I had been tested before. And I'm like, this, this flipping of energy of like sick until proven healthy and like guilty until proven innocent, that energy just fundamentally, principally, like, ooh, I feel so much dissonance around that. And I also am like, cool. I want to be sort of respectful and um, yeah, just like compassionate. And like, I'm going to be visiting my family. Mom's a lifelong smoker. Um, Grandpa's older. And some of the other family members are not, you know, health is not something they don't necessarily embody holistic health. Like I fancy myself does. And, And I would say you and others that are like kind of a part of this extended community of personal development, wellness, all that kind of stuff. And so with that being said, like, I think your average person or not maybe your average person, like people like us um, can battle a sickness and come out on the other side of it and be better for it, you know? And like, that's not everybody's experience. So I just, I want to be like very sensitive to that. So that disclaimer said, we, Alexa and I got tested and came back positive when we were in Ohio. And we had only had very brief interaction with my mom and brother at this point. Um, And it wasn't like, yeah, it's just like brief. And so we're like, okay, cool. What do we do now? And funny enough, my family was actually like, including my grandpa, he's like the patriarch of my family, former pastor of a church in California, 
um, like charismatic slain in the spirit kind of vibes, very expressive, holy laughter, like, you know, that kind of vibe. And we've, we've wrapped out on this before, but he was like, I don't care. He's like, he's like, I don't, if you want, like want to wear a mask or something, like we can talk about it, but like stick around, like you're here for Christmas. This is like, we're doing this. And it was just, it was cool. on in the, in one sense, right. I was like, and he's like, and he just said, he's like, you know, he's like, like, I don't, maybe I'm crazy. He's like, but I just, I don't feel fear around this. He's like, I just, I don't feel like I haven't bought into that. Isn't that, isn't that crazy that someone is crazy to not feel fear around that? <laughs> I get, totally. Right. Oh, and, interesting. And it was like the rest of the family talked about it and I felt into it and it just, it didn't feel good to me to, to do that. Um, it felt better to, to do the quarantine thing. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's the ripple effects. There's, there's just things to be aware of. Um, and I want to, I want to be reasonably, um, yeah, like on top of that kind of stuff and looking at all different angles. So talked about it and ended up renting a car, driving home and quarantining, you know, 20 plus hours drive, did an awkward opening of presents over zoom with my family had an Airbnb on our way home, which yeah, awkward, weird, but like grateful that that's even available, you know, that we could do that and have some level of that connection. And then we quarantined, we followed the CDC recommended guidelines, the most recent ones, which is doing a 10 day quarantine from when you, the onset of system of symptoms, um, and assuming that the symptoms, you know, that it's like, doesn't get worse and stay. Cause some people have an experience. It isn't just a few days, sometimes it's several weeks. And, you know, there's a bit of a range there, my understanding. Um, so we did the 10 day quarantine, or I guess I think we did 11 days and, it was then New Year's Eve and our friends were having a shindig, you know, something that we are a part of like planning. It was about 20 to 30 people. And <clears throat> we shared with our group, like, hey, this is the scenario. Like they all knew, but like we were just very clear with our like little group message thread. This is, you know, the events as they transpired. Um, do y'all feel, we feel great. We don't have any lingering symptoms and haven't for the better over a week now or around a week. I've had zero symptoms. Um, do you all feel comfortable with us coming? And it was a resounding fuck yes. It was like, yeah, like feels great. Like come, come hang, let's celebrate. So I had a great evening. And that did anybody day, not? Did anybody like not hug y'all? Like, hey, I'm cool. You're here, but actually like, nobody. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> what a group! What a group! Welcome what a group. to Austin. Welcome to Austin <laughs> for the for for the well initiated before they get there. Yeah. From my understanding. Uh, yeah. Because there's lots of dynamics of Austin now. Yeah. Yes. There's lots of dynamics everywhere. Um, Especially that compared to Austin 10 years ago compared to now is wild. It's a fun transformation to look at in itself, but anyways, go ahead. Um, It's a hot spot. Yeah. So that day I posted um, on my Facebook a, I guess you could say, I don't know if I would say a declaration, but I posted something that was pretty direct and, and I would even say bold. Um, and it was fairly concise, you know, it wasn't like a super long post, but it was, you know, I had five, 200 to 400 words. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It was just, but it was me sharing my experience. And it was like, basically I survived COVID. And then I talked a little bit about my experience. I talked about how I connected with a lot of people the week that I contracted it um, and how it was like really special. And that I don't believe essentially, like, I understand that's, some people are having difficult experiences. And I also understand that most people are having like fairly uh, mild experiences. And I think that's a valid perspective to share when there's a lot of like fear and a lot of sensationalism happening in the world. 
and <clears throat> said some other things in there and then closed it with like, I don't believe that you know, human connection warrants tyrannical restriction, um, you know, dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. And that was kind of the end of it. And, you know, my thought is like, <laughs> I have my community on Facebook and then like, I guess I would call myself an influencer of sorts, but I don't have tens of thousands or hundreds or millions of followers. It's mostly like my extended community that like follow me and that I connect with online. And so my thought was like, this, you know, this is empowering, inspiring, interesting. Yeah. A little bit like edgy and would spark some, like some dialogue that I was like open to. And like, I, I always really appreciate other perspectives and opinions. I think it balances me and helps me see things outside of like my judgments and worldview lens. But this thing took on an energy of its own. And give me like one second, actually, my computer's about to die. Hang on. Hey, hey do you want to take, do you want to take five minutes? Cause I could pee in. Cause totally. I totally perfect. All right. All right. Let me just wait where you are at. This thing took an energy on of its own and yes. I can exactly relate based on a housing post coming back in five. Yes. <laughs> Took on an energy of its own. Shall we pick up there? Let's do it. I'm, cool. I'm, I'm captivated. I'm willing to go beyond an hour and 11 minutes today if we have to. Ah, fun. Yeah, I'm enjoying this conversation, man. Um, <laughs> so it was moments before we were about to officially have like the opening circle of this evening experience on New Year's. And a buddy of mine, very like a sort of intensely and I'll even say fearfully um, takes me aside and yeah, like seriously is like, dude, do you know what's going on with your post? And, and, and I felt a sh like <laughs> his energy kind of projected onto me and I felt just this shot in my body. Oh and, man. I just wanted to celebrate that moment. Like being at an event, being at yeah, an event and totally. someone tell, and someone telling me something. Like yeah. them running to me and telling me something with that, mm -hmm. that fearful look in their eyes. And then me yep. and my body feeling like, whoa, okay. yes. Okay. Yep. You spot on. Um, and then he proceeds to kind of tell me how this thing is, is low key starting to go viral and that, um, use the word vitriol. He's like, dude, it's nothing but vitriol. Um, they're like saying some horrific things and like, it, it, it's a little scary. And I would even say dangerous is some of the, like I'm paraphrasing. Right. <clears throat> and so go into this opening circle and it reminds me of actually the Maui tribe design where I had a pretty intense experience right before the circle, which you may or may not remember of like the, like some love that was ending and it kind of rocked oh, my world <laughs> right before the, the opening uh, circle, like moments with where before. we used the breaking normal app. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so remember I, how synchronistic uh, that whole thing was. It was, incredible. Oh, I remember that. Like it was a program and my <laughs> app of consciousness for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, that opened up energy for me to find my, my lovely fiance. And so like, so grateful for that. And, and as this experience that I'm sharing opened up a lot of energy for me in a lot of ways. I would like um, to just note for the fun, the, like for the true fans of the breaking normal metaphor tangents of like, what a avatar-esque um, elemental container we had there in Maui. That was one of the more incredible and, you know, went to many, a junkie of the tribe design retreats. And that was as memorable as any. I mean, one of the most beautiful breezes, but yet powerful, powerful 
gusts mm-hmm. come in about 30 miles per hour, like representing the mental, like the mental is strong uh, yeah. in the space. Yeah. You can see the ocean. You can see the whole, you can see the ocean as far as you can see. I mean, like uh, mm-hmm. I'm talking, uh, you got the whole ocean of emotion right there and you know, you're on an extinct volcano. There's that old, that old fire of creation. And we uh, the, earth, the earth is strong. It was an old pineapple, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was at one point a pineapple like orchard, like, like no, even farther than that, like a plantation. Oh, wow. Yes. And dude, we ran into Ram Dass after remember, I don't think you were there, but we were at a dinner. Yeah. And that had its own crazy synchronicities wrapped around how we were talking about him moments before. And then we're like, Oh shit. There he is right there. Well, hey, Wild. do me a favor. If you can, in the next like day or two, check out the previous Breaking Normal podcast episode before Satsang, mm-hmm. Breaking the New Normal. Uh-huh. And I give a big shout out to Ram Dass for a synchronicity that I just it, it almost felt like lying when I put it into words. <laughs> so, Is that a solo cast you did or what? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like the uh, audio version of the afterword of Breaking Normal, the book yep. um, called Breaking the New Normal. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm excited to listen to that. Yes. Um, cool. Well, bringing it back to the cancel culture experience. Yes. Um, he shares this with me. We have this opening circle and, you know, right after, um, I'm like, okay, I got to do something with this energy. <laughs> I need to talk to somebody. I need to do something. This is so intense. And fortunately, um, our mutual friend JP was there and I feel comfortable using his name. And he, you know, is a, an advocate for freedom and has been particularly um, outspoken and radically awesome by my estimation in the past year in particular, like he has been for many. Um, but this past year, I've been just really impressed by his courage in a lot of ways. And um, so I have a lot of like, he's one of my closest friends and I have a lot of like respect for his opinion and his counsel. And so I was like, dude, can I talk to you? And I share with him what was going on. And he just gave me a incredible little like, you know, pep talk, um, words of encouragement that landed and really helped me flow some of that intensity. And in the days thereafter, I had this, you know, I was like, do I like delete this post? You know, like, do I sort of like nip it in the bud and put this fire out or do I let it burn (laughs) and I'll let it burn. (laughs) And I just, I just, I felt, it felt like this is, even though it's so funny, man. And I'll, I'll share a couple of things, you know, some of the esoteric learnings for me, kind of like the totaling my car. Um, since I, as long as I can remember, since I was a little kid, I wanted to be an entertainer, an actor, famous in movies, on shows, on TV. Like that has been something I've always wanted. And you know, I've never heard you say it that way. Like all of a sudden I'm like, if you still want that. Yeah. If you still want that. It's good to know. It's good to know, but go ahead. Well, that's part of the learning in this. I (laughs) I would say definitely. I still want that. Um, and sort of piggybacking on that. I've wanted to go viral for a, for a while as well, since, you know, social media, since virality online, social media started becoming a thing. I've had dreams of what that could look like. And I've also had this feeling, um, for at least, a couple, maybe 10 plus years, if I'm really thinking back, that at some point, um, you know, I've prided myself in being somewhat of a a diplomat, ambassador, super connector, 
um, extremely likable. Like you've heard me say at Tribe Design Retreats, I have more best friends than anybody I know. You know, I mean, I'm, in, I'm at all the weddings and like, and I, I love that. It's a superpower of mine. I'm like really proud of that. And um, I think it's just like a special part of me that I celebrate. And there's a shadow to that. Um, and a, a phrase that comes up for me that I first heard by our mutual friend, Mr. Brandon Hawksky, uh, is would you rather be liked by many or loved by few? And when I first heard him say that, maybe it was at a tribe design retreat, I don't remember, but it's really stuck with me. It was extremely confronting for me. I was like, well, I, I want to be liked by many and also loved by many. <laughs> it was like, I, can I have my cake and eat it too? And so with all of this kind of like in the background to pr- provide a little more context for this, it was like, you know, want to be an entertainer in the spotlight, i.e. famous, um, want to go viral and want to be liked by everyone. And it was like, all of that came crashing down in a moment. It was like, not only am I not liked by everyone, and I use the word everyone loosely here, but like there is thousands of people. So this, this post was shared at least hundreds of times, maybe over a thousand, had many thousand comments, maybe upwards of 10,000. Like I, I intentionally did not look at it all that much myself because it was just a lot of like hateful energy that I was like, nah, I don't think this really serves me to, to really <laughs> immerse myself in that. But I did catch little glimpses. And I mean, it was the gamut of everything you can and cannot imagine as far as just like hateful energy thrown at me. Like you are a murderer. You are a, a white privileged narcissistic piece of shit. Like you deserve to die. Um, all this stuff. And, and, you know, people, my judgment of it all is that people, yeah, were like projecting their experience, their beliefs, and were creating a story within the lines of this, you know, relatively brief thing I shared. Um, and just, you know, projected this persona onto me that to be fair, on some level, I've like projected myself and just, you know, fed into this big narrative and story of like how I am, you know, the epitome of what is wrong, you know, in the COVID area, on a, uh, COVID era in a lot of ways. And it, you know, feeds into a lot of just, not even just that, but the other political things that have happened in the, in the last year in particular. A lot of like the racial stuff I saw in there at times was like, seemed to be part of the energy that was brewing in that experience. And so it was like, once again, sort of all at once, I felt liked by no one, but I definitely loved by few. Um, it was like, yeah, that's something that went viral, but not in the way I would have dreamt it up. <laughs> and um, yeah, like, like, like the famous thing kind of is part of that too, but not in the way that I would want to. So let it burn for, uh, I think like three or four days. And then I got to a point of like, okay, it's done its thing. And like, I can continue to let it go as far as it could possibly go, but it just, it didn't feel necessary anymore. It felt mm-hmm. like it had kind of done its thing. It had run its course, mm-hmm. the medicine, so to speak, or maybe called poison, one of both had, yeah, done its, had run, run through the veins. And that opened up a lot for me. And, and we can certainly get into that. But um, part of what it did was it like, it challenged me to really go within. I've heard it said, if you don't go within, you go without. And to reduce a lot of the noise in my world. Um, and like, okay, what, what is my why? What is really important to me? Like at the core, 
Um, it, it encouraged me to go into a season of depth over breadth because part of that sort of like super connector and like jack of all trades diplomat is a lot of breadth spreading my energy around in a lot of different areas, which again, not demonizing that whatsoever. It was like an incredible journey for me. And like, it's a, I think it's a great foundation for me to operate from in a lot of ways. And, but in this season, it's like, dude, no depth, like husband is on the horizon. Fatherhood is not too far off. Um, like there's, there's a new energy that wants to come through me and I need to make space for that. I get to make space for that. And so took a, I'm in an indefinite siesta from social media and I'm about a month and a half in now. And man, I feel so much peace. I feel so much power, so much potency, so much clarity. Um, this is actually the first kind of like platform, so to speak, that I've been on since this little uh, break from the limelight, if you will. And, and it We've felt- heard that before, the Break Your Mo podcast. Come ah, on, give a round of yes. applause. Yes. <laughs> yes. Round of and, applause for our container. And when you asked me, it was like, I didn't even, like that popped in my mind. I was like, oh, no, this, yeah, this feels great. I would love to chat with Daniel and then have people hear about it. Well, man, you brought up so many things. I'm like going to be so challenged in a way to remember them all. <laughs> I can see you churning a little bit over there as they were coming up. <laughs> Holy moly. Wow. Where do you think I should begin, if anywhere? What's your hunch? <sighs> Where does one begin? <laughs> um, I don't know. You tell me. Like, you just, yeah, whatever feels the most potent and relevant in your body. Especially if it's coming from okay. your left kneecap. There's, right, there's something there, go. yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Left mm-hmm. kneecap. Left kneecap's got to say. Um, <laughs> There's a there was a part of me like if I'm just gonna jump right to my one critical note of Please. that expression was like man what about the scavengers like the vultures of cultures like you remove that post mm-hmm. they can't they can't see it anymore because I looked at Jordan Bowditz right now and I couldn't find you on Facebook well yeah so I temporarily deactivated my account yeah mm-hmm. I'm like well hey the vultures are hungry right now the circle, <laughs> the circle of life <laughs> and I spent yeah I've seen a lot. Of in Georgia, especially, I've seen a lot of vultures, and uh, they are a part of it. And hunting, you know, my understanding mm. there, you know, hunting, whatever you hunted and whatever I hunted, if we leave it there, it's going to get eaten quick. Mm-hmm. Whatever we leave there, it's going to get eaten quick. Mm. And that's something to be thought about, I think. <laughs> okay, magician, what, what do you think about it? <laughs> oh no, no I, just, I just wanted to like I, I, my curious like detective mind is like ooh, I wonder what oh and why that's happened is this I made a post in the Boulder Collective Housing because mm-hmm. I've been waiting to figure out which school our daughter is enrolling in and once we do I was going to choose a house around that area mm-hmm. so I've been scouting it out and you know mm-hmm. I've been I've been to every state I've, yeah. I've, lived in, I've lived in a lot of best places in the world with you mm-hmm. so I made that very clear I like like I'm Daniel Eisman. I have a, <laughs> I have a very unique, uh-huh. a unique set of skills where I can find the best places to live at the best time. And right now, my eyes currently on the front range, and I'm like, this is my situation. I could, I could have one roommate and or a one uh, another part time roommate. Mm-hmm. I'll be with my daughter one week on, one week off. And it's like, 
Um, and I put some pictures up of me and my dog and my daughter so people knew. And I like, I didn't even think about it. Some of them were shirtless. <laughs> it didn't even like cross my mind too, many times, too much, but I, I, I had know. pictures with my post and there's a couple of, I had like 10 pictures. Some were shirtless, some were with my dog and with all types. Of, yeah. Yes. In the same post? In that same post. Yeah. So oh I had like 10 pictures goodness. attached to it. Way to polarize people with this shirtless person with a pit bull. I know. Yep. Especially yeah. if the daughter's sholy shmololy. Uh-huh. So, and then at the very end, I guess I really gave it to them good because <laughs> <laughs> I made a comment. And like anyone that's in Colorado might even know about this because how viral this post was within the housing group. Like, I just, it's just like shocking. I may have made the most viral post ever in Boulder Collective Housing <laughs> accidentally, seemingly. Same with yeah. like the home daddy thing. Accidentally, mm-hmm. both like seemingly accidental. Mm-hmm. Um, I said like, and yep, we have no interest in um, sharing space with anyone that feels to need to hide their face. Ooh, something you, you like gave that. it to them there. Yeah, 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 I was serious because mm-hmm. I remember in March I had a couple roommates that they were so scared and like sanitizing everything. Like, firstly, I was, I was like, I don't know about this chemical exposure. Yeah. Second of all, I'm like, this is weird. And I don't need my daughter to be exposed to this. Yeah. Like, get, let's just go somewhere where this is not our reality. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I have purposefully removed that. And she is now enrolled in a school where the kids do not have to wear a mask and it's all outdoors and it's epic. That's and awesome. I'm like, yeah, it took, it took a while. It took some patience in hunting <laughs> to align with that place. Um, <laughs> but that post created quite the stir in Boulder. It sounds very similar to the energy around my experience. If I had to guess, like some reactions and responses and the judgments and projections and yeah. One guy even said how punchable my face looked. I got some that were similar to that and some that were, didn't make a whole lot of sense, but I felt the energy behind them. (laughs) (laughs) And I like the accusations blew my mind. And I will say that most of the accusations came from accounts that had no person. Oh yeah. We briefly talked about this. Yeah. And one of my previous uh, podcast guests who are epic, huge synchronicity that I spent Christmas with them. <laughs> um, they're the ones that got kicked off the United Airlines flight because yes. their three-year-old yep. wouldn't wear their mask properly. And Wild I'm just going to quote uh, one of the many quotes you could check out if you listen to that podcast with uh, Earhart and <laughs> Amelia. And it, uh, one was, he was just like, he didn't say much. Earhart didn't say much, but he did say that he thinks that there are bot counts created to decimate hate. Wait, when you say decimate hate, do you mean emanate hate? Like, like, like just that's like that's everywhere. Spread hate if for oh, anyone gotcha. that's like yeah. an anti-mask. Anyone that comes up as like an anti-masker thing. Yeah. Now I'm reading between the lines, but anyone that becomes up as like an anti-masker on mm-hmm. social media, they will be attacked by bot accounts to project hate upon them. Was a theory that I heard. You could like hear the exact quote from him himself. Yeah. But it did, like, after that Boulder thing and hearing what you're talking about and mm-hmm. hearing what they experienced, I'm like, this guy might be onto something. Well, and let me add a little bit of fuel to that fire, potentially. Um, <laughs> you know, like, do I think that's true? If I had to bet, I would say no. But I certainly wouldn't bet everything on that. <laughs> you know, like, I like 
there's just so much strangeness um, that I continue to be surprised by. So I'm like, I'm open to any possibility at this point. But what I will say that maybe can speak to that a little bit is what made that post I did go viral was a lot of faceless accounts like you just described with like cats or with like um, just like random pictures or no pictures at all, like faceless more or less, not all of them, but a significantly enough portion to be notable. A faceless and, Facebook. Yes. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> and so- Is this a Game of Thrones? What the heck is going yeah. on here? <laughs> and so, and these accounts and others were tagging people and tagging groups. This was the most interesting thing about it, right? So they would tag these groups. And again, I didn't look at much of this, but I looked at a handful to be like, okay, there's a trend here. They would tag groups that, and these groups would have hundreds and oftentimes thousands of people. And the groups, similar to the faceless Facebooks, did not have like any sort of, um, like they didn't, they wouldn't have a, a picture on it, you know, background picture, not like a normal active group, but the names of the group, bro, were, gosh, I wish I could remember specifically some of them, but the gist of it was like, they would be run on sentence names. Many of them were that were like, you know, like hateful things like screw white privileged men and and bring down the anti-masker, anti-science, anti-vaxxers. It was like, and dude, there were many of them. And that was what like sort of rallied the troops and made this thing go viral is people people maybe (laughs) and or faceless Facebooks tagging people and tagging these groups. And then it just like people and, you know, my account's public so that it was just like generating this crazy wildfire of people sharing and commenting and, and dude, and it was like, it went everywhere. You know, it went over to like, am I back? We'll we'll pause. I I guess it doesn't matter with the audio. If you're listening cool. to this on the podcast, I lost Jordan in my live feed, but the audio should be fine regardless. Nice. So if you want to repeat in a more yeah. animated way, even yeah. if you care, my Mr. Actor that's going to be famous, he already yeah. is. I'm just trying <laughs> to recognize it. Can we take so, two on the last 15? <laughs> yeah, so this wildfire continues to catch fire as these people are tagging each other, like tagging their, their cronies and tagging these Facebook groups. And then it just like, that is what really took it from being what would have been somewhat of a mild post that had, you know, some energy around it into something that was anything but mild. And they even like, like the, again, what I perceive to be feels hateful. And like, what one of the many sort of like things that came up to me, themes in this whole experience are like, two wrongs don't make a right, you know, and like hate begets hate to get a little biblical with you where it's, it's almost like these, a lot of these people perceive that I was, that the way I'm living or like what I was saying was wrong, bad, or hateful. And their medicine or antidote, a reaction to that is to be more bad, wrong, hateful to, to make a right out of it. Again, two wrongs don't make a right and hate begets hate. And so much so, yeah, please. Yeah, come out the bullshit. I got. I, I was getting the heebie-jeebies a little bit there for a moment. Yeah, yeah, and like so much so that like what they were saying, and I didn't even see this, but people were telling me because people loved to tell me what was going on with this. <laughs> and I was actually like sort of 
being like, ah, I don't really want to know all that much, but here and there things will come. So <laughs> they were actually telling each other to go to every single account that I am associated with and my closest friends even, um, like, and to give them, you know, one-star reviews on their Facebook, like business profile pages, go to their Instagrams and like report them as spam or like, or whatever you can do. Again, the word vitriol feels very appropriate here. And, you know, they were doing it to my fiance and they were going to her podcast even. And there is, you know, dude, like it, it is pretty incredible to me, the amount of like intentional, um, the word hatred, that's the only word I can like make of it. It feels hateful, the energy. Um, it's hard to imagine someone living in that way. Um, and there's even a group that, uh, a podcast called Conspirituality. Have you heard of this by any chance? Oh, not yeah, so, the Conspirituality podcast. Yeah. So it's a blog and a podcast and same thing. I don't, I haven't seen much of their stuff, but I've seen a couple things where certainly at least part of what they do, if not a significant portion is they really latched onto JP earlier, like last year, um, as he was really starting to sort of get more into the political space with his content. And then by association, all of the people closest to him and me being one of the, the closer people on some of his, in some of his content, him and some of mine, and just good friends. And they like document and critique anything and everything we do so much so that they follow like our Instagram stories and repost them and write whole blog posts about it and do this kind of gnarly quasi intellectualization, if I even said that word right, of what we're doing and like the culture that we represent and like rally their troops in sort of like a coordinated effort to bring us down is the way I perceive it. Uh, so end rant there. <laughs> that's what uh, has been a, a piece of my world going into this year. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, nature, nature just is like, this seems like a metaphor, like the internet seems to be enhancing and exacerbating these truths of nature that are hard to swallow, mm. such as parasites <sighs> and viruses. And dare I even say, oh, he's gonna demonic, dare. satanic, dare I even say, is that even a possibility? Mm. Dude, and you know, I want to like say, I, I want to be mindful to not come off as like holier than thou, or like I got it all figured out, or, or even that I'm a... <laughs> a light worker. I like to think of myself as like trying to do good in the world and like a good, I believe a thousand percent that I'm a good person with good intentions. Now my impact doesn't always reflect my intentions, uh, but nonetheless, I can't make anything else out of a lot of what I experienced in that scenario other than it just being like sad, angry, hateful, resentful people that are, don't know what to do with that energy and just want to find whoever, whatever they can to like be an outlet for that. And, and to that end, to that point, it actually, like, I don't even feel anger. And I, and I very, I felt very little anger in the midst of all that. It was more so, yeah, sort of at times it was like an egoic fear, I'll say. Um, but even more so that it was like a deep sadness for like my fellow man, like fellow human. It was just like a fuck, 
like, what, what is this coming to? Like, what's going on? And, and I also want to be mindful, like those people or like that culture, that energy is not everyone. They are the exception, not the rule. I don't believe for one fucking second that like that the extremists are the, are the normal. And I think that's part of the narrative in, the, in this sort of like smoke and mirrors, um, sensationalized media is that like, if you're not in one of these two extreme camps, then you are like not picking a side and you are the minority. And that's not to get too off rails here, but like my understanding is that is like a large part of like a sort of communist agenda and like a, um, a protocol. And not to say that I think anyone or group of people are intentionally trying to like implement communism per se, but it is, you know, there, there are some tenants there and some overlap that is interesting to ponder and witness. And that to me is one of the bigger ones that I'm seeing and that I've experienced. Well, I'm um, amazed of how I like what you just said for the last two minutes. I wasn't able to interject because it was so good, but I was wondering if something happened with your mic. Like the the audio changed a little bit. Oh, did it? Is that on? Oh, now it sounded like I heard you different right there. I might have been not into it as much, and I was. Out I don't of know more. what happened, but anyways, it was great. Cool, thank you. I hope that it came <laughs> out great. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there, this is, this is, these are like, this is, you know, the code. There's a song by uh, Thievery Corporation, mm-hmm. I think called Culture of Fear. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that one when the guy's like, Code Orange? How long are we going to be on Code Orange, brother? Yes. It's like it's I been code, code Orange for like seven years. Can't we get a Code, ye- code Yellow? <laughs> <laughs> How long can we be on edge? But the thing is, like, they were really in a Code Red. Mm-hmm. We are in a code red of culture. Yeah. Okay. For cur- current culture as we know it, these are code red times. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what you were explaining there with your experience of that post definitely sounded like a computer virus. Ooh, that's an interesting analogy. Slash yeah. maybe reality. <laughs> yeah. And... I like I, I gotta stress the importance of the books, like some certain books. I'm not sure if the other ones come to your mind, but like mm-hmm. Virus of the Mind. Have you read that book? Or I have that it. Book? it. Sounds familiar, but that's worth the that's worth the listen to on Audible for everybody. Okay. And breaking normal and breaking the new, of new normal. But like they do tie to each other in the sense that we gotta like how once again, this is that we are. I've heard this idea like that we're not on drugs, that we are drugs. Like we are like this unique dynamic physical embodiment of potentially a spirit that is just totally enthralled by like biological and chemical reactions that are constantly Mm. changing. And it's probably very important to realize how ideas, whether they have like a spirit or an essence or a spell, Mm -hmm. um, transmute and mutate and spread very much like viruses, very much like viruses. And like, we are potentially very much like, um, the, the devices that we're using currently, like the, Mm -hmm. the, the, the greatest feat of technology and humanity, maybe some would say is like our current phone situation. And that's like very much revealing to the technology that we have. And that we have like the ability to tune into different channels with different frequencies mm-hmm. yep. and download different programs and the form of ideas, the form of like symbols manipulated. 
I mean, to me, it's just like so shocking of how symbolic my reality seems to be when I study culture, that how historically we have been so entangled within symbology. Mm-hmm. And currently, currently, let's use it for an instance, an example, like most, if I had to judge humanity and culture, most people do, that most of their actions are based on something to do around having enough money. Let's just put it want. that way. Mm-hmm. So what the F is money that what the F is money is symbols shifting on a screen. Mm-hmm. It's not very difficult nowadays. It's like amazing to me how symbols shifting on a screen can shift every human being on earth to act mm-hmm. in a certain way. Mm. And I'll say something quickly to that. That was, yeah, I can so resonate with a lot of that. And what came up for me is kind of a response is I have really doubled down on the natural world. And I know I've heard you say like, nothing's not natural. So what I mean by that more is like um, connecting with nature and like reducing the noise of media and of technology and, you know, hunting, geez, the experience of hunting is one of the most potent spiritual practices I've ever had and continue to like commit to as like a path um, for <laughs> enlightenment, dare I say. And, um, and like this backpacking trip I just came back from and just like becoming more self-sufficient, more, um, yeah, like know how to work with nature and rely on what she offers and what I'm able to um, alchemize and the parts of me I'm able to experience and like the perseverance and fortitude and, and all those things that come up. Um, and, and the reverence, man, like, especially in the context of hunting, but just like the, that exchange of energy and of sustenance and, um, and how difficult it is, man. Like, <laughs> it's like, and to be fair, you know, I'm using the freaking rifle. I intend to, and I want to do bow hunting and I have many friends that do, and that's like the next edge for me. Um, but that's where it even gets, you know, that much more difficult and the stakes are high, you know, like, especially if you're out there and, um, our buddy, my buddy Monsel, you know, he encourages some form of fasting as a part of the hunting experience so that you feel a little bit more of that primal hunger and like physical need for food. Um, so it's the, yeah, just the whole thing is very, um, potent and meaningful and, and important. I would say for a lot of people to, at the very least, just be more connected to the quote, natural world and reducing the noise, getting bare feet on the ground and body outside and fresh air and exposed to the sun, which are all things that I are surprisingly uncommon, I believe. Yeah, lots to say. Yamansol yep. Denton was on the Breaking Room podcast. Check that episode out. He was one of the first 10, I believe. He's my hunting I mean, shaman. <laughs> well, first of all, going hunting and just the pure, sheer ability to be able to hold your piss and hold your breath to a steady level for extended <laughs> periods of time under yeah. extreme environmental pressure <laughs> while trying to take the heartbeat away from another animal. Oh, man. Uh, let's, I mean, we could go on and days. I guess there are several podcasts that are all about that for a reason, for a reason. 
And I wanted to celebrate something that you said um, to wrap, like, you know, come to some sort of get into a conclusion for this container, this potential hexagon within this colony of creative communications that we've procured. <laughs> the B code, you've, you've touched on something. Ah. One of the reasons I felt compelled to recommend the afterword for the breaking the new normal is because how much I was inspired to create that because of this uh, research I've come across around bees that when a bee changes colonies, I mean, bees are so fascinating. Like within a colony, it's like the size of a brain. And mm-hmm. when it gets like beyond that capacity, they need to change colonies. And they send out these scout bees, which are like three mm-hmm. to 5% of the colony. And these scout bees go out and they, uh, they scout out different potential homes. And they will like, what'd you say? Taste, smell, touch. Mm-hmm. They smell, touch almost every square centimeter of this container wow. and then it will come back to the colony and they will do a waggle dance, what scientists call a waggle dance to express that in a way that's probably more intelligent than English. And the rest of the colony can take that code on. And the only way any other bee will repeat that news is if they go out to that call that that space and they do the same. Ooh. Love that. Wow. Bees don't gossip. <laughs> no, they firsthand experience. Wow. And social media is a gossiping um oh, strip club. <laughs> <laughs> Cesspool of sorts. Yeah. I mean, I've been to strip clubs and had a great time. I actually sure. uh, strip clubs, um, Break it. All right. So my best class in college ever. <laughs> and I was pre-med and I took, I got a biology degree, crazy story. But the class that I actually really excelled in, which was abnormally excelled in, was in sociology. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a, a paper, the paper that I got the best score on, and I got the best grade in that class because of, was about breaking a social norm. Uh-huh. You wrote a page, uh-huh. a paper about breaking a social norm. So what I did was I went to a strip club and I hired, I, I paid for a table dance. I haven't heard this. I thought <laughs> yeah, I'd heard I heard most of your yeah, notable stories. Yeah. That's so a good I one. For, I paid for a session there. And um, all I asked to do was to talk. Uh-huh. And I and I was persistent as shit. That was my real, my truly my intention. Yeah. And that, that was when my paper was about that I got that the best grade in college about. <laughs> and like thinking like, like after Breaking Normal was birthed 10 years later, thinking back on that, I was like, oh, wow. Actually, that was already revealed to me in college about a decade ago. Yep. That's I awesome. excelled in Breaking Normal. That was the one thing I really shined the brightest. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> Uh, and then um, just side synchronicity, when I looked at your name on Facebook, it's funny that um, there is a Jordan Bowditch that comes up and it, it, the profile is a, a, a pit bull. <laughs> is it really? It looks like a blue nose pit bull potentially. Um, Interesting. But, but no, like one that looks like it needs help, actually. Aww. Yeah. And then there is a girl as the a banner photo that looks like maybe she's... 16 and then uh, I didn't know there was like a Jordan Bowditch. That's funny. High school band of sorts. <laughs> if you want to send her some love on Facebook, uh, I think her name is Jordan Bowditch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope the social, social justice warriors that tried to cancel me don't find her thinking it's me oh and harass gosh. her. 
Jeez. Yeah, you guys, you guys just come on. What do you guys need to do? What do you guys, I mean, maybe they're for a reason. Like that's what I'm saying. We, I don't have so much hate for a leech, but I know they're out there. Mm. So it is a convicting reality that we're, that we get to see every once in a while. Um, but the pit bull, the pit bull on the profile photo, Arise is about to give birth. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, I boy. remember you saying or talking about some oh, pregnancy boy. stuff, but wow. Oh boy, she's super pregnant looking. I'm gonna have to ask for more footage. Um, but she's in Georgia with my parents right now, and uh, I think she's about to get an X-ray done, which I was kind of against. I bet. But based on um, the person that's going to be like her midwife, they really mm-hmm. wanted it. And considering my little, you know, novice outsider knowledge with my sure. own ideas, I was willing to surrender to the expert because they want to yeah. know how many babies are most likely. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> but oh. um, at the end of February, Orion may be giving birth to, I would guess, I'm going to guess 11 puppies. I'm 11? just going to guess that. I'm just going to guess it. I'm well, you love it. that number, so I'm not surprised. I, yeah, I'm just gonna guess <laughs> that number it, loves you, maybe is a better way to say it. <laughs> based on how pregnant she looks and potentially like the, the, the oomph of the father. <laughs> <laughs> and big know, boy. And I know the umph of the mother. I know Araya, and you know yeah. her as well. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, considering the wow, I guess around April seventh, actually, they'll be available. Ah, uh, <laughs> nice. And that's probably when that. And I don't know. I'm, I don't know what. I'm honestly don't know. This all I could like go into the depths of that story and how that happened. I'm not going to because we are breaking way normal for the Breaking Normal podcast today. Thank you. I don't know. Is this still recording? Yeah, it says it is. Uh-huh. Um, but I figured you would be pretty captivated by that oh you know, yeah like, i appreciate you that. i love that dog she's such a sweetie and she's gonna have some incredible pups i mean everyone already thought she was like a mama i don't know why i don't know if you remember if you were ever around when people thought that her like nipples were abnormally large 100 they have been for as long as i remember i think it was because deanna basically we got her when deanna was pregnant and she was just like exposed to all this estrogen uh, or like all the motherly hormones going yeah. on let's just say in that reality and she like almost became a mother to Davina I would say in a way like protecting Davina yeah. as a puppy like that's how she grew up and now she's definitely like that and now she's like I just felt like she's she is a mom everyone already thinks she's, she's a got mom. the mom and now, uh-huh. and now she is about to be she, at least she is right now to how many you know we don't know how many fetuses exactly mm-hmm. But holy moly, that's one of the other chess games of my life right now. And I have had several people reach out. I mean, if you're listening to this and you want to be, I mean, I would like to talk to Jordan about that. Like, let's maybe we can wrap it up here. Sure. Um, like being, I don't even mean a responsible pit bull owner, but like an enthusiastically responsible pit bull owner, mm. because these dogs are arguably, in my opinion, the most emotionally intelligent breed. Uh-huh. And if you're not willing yes. to like respect that as they evolve through puberty, um, maybe it's not for you. Ooh, I, I, like, it's more. probably not. It's probably not like Araya brought me to tears and blood as a puppy. Like when I was trying to train her, there was a few times when she like <sighs> broke out of this like defiant mode, like trying to test me. Oh, remember when we were at Del Mar Dog Beach and she ran? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that yes, was intense. Oh yeah. Front row seat. That girl initiated the heavens into me. Oh, and like Biggie's, I, my, my blue nose pit bull is laying next to me right now. And he turns 10 uh, next month, 10 years old. So I got him right after college. And he has been 
I mean, I feel pretty comfortable saying the single greatest initiation of my life. Um, and I couldn't put it any better. Like how you said, like it is a, a major responsibility and a righteous path. If you feel called to it and are, are willing to commit to it, cause it's a commitment. It, it ain't, so, you know, it ain't a little fluffer ankle biting dog, or, you know, even a golden retriever. That's just very sort of like, I'm going to say sometimes mindlessly obedient, which I think is a beautiful thing, like great family, easy dogs, um, speaking very generally, but the reward of a pit bull is incredible because of that emotional intelligence. Like the evolution that I perceive to be in a lot of the, that breed is very human-like, I'll say, and it's a very special. And, um, and with that comes a massive responsibility. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say if for anyone that wants to know how to take power, like to take charge, to take charge. And if you want to, you know, you want a dog and you want to learn how to take charge and be held accountable to that every day. And of the most loving of ways and the most yeah. loving of ways, because otherwise it's just going to backfire, right? In your face. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the way of connecting with the canine, yeah, talk to me, talk to me. Mm-hmm. I got to figure out, I guess, by yeah, about April, mid to late April is most likely when they're ready, going to be to be uh, partnered, partnered with someone that I trust oh. will be. Wow, I know one uh, one person in Austin, one of my our first original nannies, is very interested, which I'm stoked about cool. because I know she knows, I know she knows dog God, God mm-hmm. dog. <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> well uh thanks jordan uh and jordaniel for connecting again <laughs> the holy trinity me, of i mean that would be appropriate 33 of uh, three podcasts 111 anyways like wow great conversation i'm happy we had this opportunity to record it and trust uh that the cards will fall where they may but i trust to inspire more people mm. to start like tuning into the inner guidance right now especially like clean up the inner guidance how you want in the best way the most fun way Mm -hmm. the way you know this best and start tuning into that because the static on the outside is obviously a a joke a cosmic comedy in my Mm -hmm. opinion so choose couldn't say it better myself brother yeah man choose creatively instead don't get (laughs) don't get tricked by the comic because they're out there yeah, there's a lot of them. A lot of jokesters, a lot of jesters. Yeah, I yeah, fancy yeah, myself yeah. one of those of sorts, but. <laughs> well, in a way, I think in the way that y'all, that you would fancy yourself in that is to remind people of the joke that we're in. Yeah, like, like it's kind of like the Truman Show, like when the Truman Show, when they were like trying to like. <laughs> so good. Hey, it's, it's not real. <laughs> Such a good movie. Oh, man. Okay. All well, right, Bresky. Thanks, thanks for breaking normal. Talk to you soon.